From Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company LiquidNet. With me in person is Imogen Rose Smith, an investment fellow with the University of California. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Brian. And joining us from the San Francisco is David Bank, founder and editor-in-chief of Impact Alpha. Hi, David. Hi, Brian. Hi, Imogen. I'm still getting used to your new job title, Imogen. Me too. Uh, well, on today's show, we're going to talk about the impact of taxes on impact. Now, don't touch that podcast dial. We promise this will be interesting. Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. famously said that taxes are the price we pay for civilization. Not only do taxes pay for public goods like roads, schools, and armies, but they also create the set of incentives for the types of behaviors and activities the government likes to encourage, like home ownership and retirement savings, and disincentives for the types of behavior and activities government likes to discourage, like smoking cigarettes and pollution. As we record this podcast, congressional Republicans and the Trump administration are working on a major tax overhaul, which, if successful, would have massive implications for U.S. society and the global economy. David, what are the implications for this and taxes in general for those active in impact? Well, Brian, the first thing I want to do is take on your your word successful. The tax bill as it stands is, you know, designed, it seems mostly to be a big tax break for a few wealthy folks and blow a huge hole in the deficit, which Republicans used to care about. And the only thing you could think about that is that that'll be followed later by, you know, massive cuts in social services and safety net to cut the budget. So um, to call this tax reform and whatnot, you know, I don't really think is right. And I don't think if they pass it that we should call it a success. So I want to take that on at the, at the get go. I do think that there are a lot of ways in which the tax code is steering the economy of the future. And I do believe that we should take on the tax code as almost the, you know, it's almost the algorithm. It's the, it's the, the super brain that guides, you know, investment decisions. And I think there's a lot that can be done both, you know, uh, with the carrot and a stick to guide that into the kind of economy and the kind of investments we need to see. So I, I'm not sort of against the notion that we could change the tax code in some way. I just don't know that the proposal that's on the table is is the one we, we actually uh, want to see. Which is sort of where, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that the likelihood is the proposal that's on the table is not the one that, honestly, most people are going to want to see. However, I think it's important to look at the political realities and think about what is going to happen. I, I think the the big concern is that you have an administration and people in Congress who really have no idea what the implications of their actions are, right? That that there is these sort of very simple ideological things that they believe, but they have lost the sort of intellectual gravitas to play those those things out. So what does it mean when we roll back taxes and therefore are not capable of paying for basic goods and services. Um, and, you know, that Kansas is the example that people are kicking around. Kansas basically did this and then had to turn around and be like, oh, my God, we can't pay for schools, we can't pay for all these things. And the legislature had to come back and raise taxes. You know, I'd, and nobody really knows if, if, in fact, you know, the tax reform goes through, can we put the genie back in the bottle? In terms of impact, I think that the impact investing community should be extremely concerned and i'm surprised they're not more so just looking at the very simple things that we know are likely to happen right we know that trump in particular wants to get rid of you know 
the death or estate tax, right? There are very few things we know that Trump really cares about. That's one of them. That has the potential for having a huge impact on impact investing in the US. When you think about historically, how did you know philanthropic giving, how of, of which you know, impact in the US comes out of in large part, how did that come into being? It came into being because of taxes. You know, we have a for-profit and a not-for-profit structure in the US that was a result of the tax code. If you take that away and you take away, you, you reduce the amount of discounts that you get for philanthropic giving, the likelihood is we're going to see less philanthropic giving. That in turn is going to have an effect on the impact community at the very time that you're taking away you know, what kind of infrastructure the US has for lower income people. Well, I think I think you're you're right, Imogen, and, and on that. Although I think you know fo- some impact investing folks might say you know they don't want to be tied to the philanthropic capital only and the tax break, and that there's impact investing opportunities that are not dependent on being tax advantaged in the in the first place. But your point is taken that that it will marginally reduce the amount flowing into philanthropy and 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 therefore into sort of mission driven finance. The other th- part of it that I think hasn't gotten enough attention is that if you reduce Corporate taxes, which seems to be a centerpiece of the proposal, that that instantly makes all the tax credits that corporations have bought up, you know, less valuable. So the new market tax credits and the low income tax credits that have financed a lot of, you know, community development and other things, you know, instantly the market for those things plummets. And so um, even at the level of just sort of the bread and butter community development finance, there's huge implications. And then again, I agree with you, that is massive because those incentives are what is driving capital into a lot of those investments and you take that away and huge amounts of that stuff get rolled back. So but the question think- is, if those things are unintended consequences, how do you how do you get to some intended consequences and actually take this whole discussion out of just, you know, let's cut taxes on some phantom belief that, you know, that will drive economic growth and actually come up with a plan that would, say, drive economic growth? You're assuming those are unintended consequences. I'm not sure they are, right? I mean, I think that there is a, frankly, a racism and a sort of classism that is going on here that that suggests that somehow the current tax code is giving bailouts to poor people that we don't want to have. And in fact, we just want to discard those people. I think it's a very intended consequence. Well, that may that may well be, and I think that has to be called out. I mean, for example, you know, the the president is pushing this is is supposedly running on a you know populist, forgotten man, forgotten woman plank, and you know this is as far from a populist tax plan as could possibly be imagined. So, if that could be just called out and say, look, let's actually talk about how you would revive American communities, how you would you know, uh, create, you know, new jobs, how you would, for you know, here's one example. There's hundreds of billions now parked overseas, uh, mostly by the tech companies, other corporations as well, uh, waiting to be repatriated to the U.S. because they know that somewhere in one of these tax bills, there'll be some kind of tax holiday that will let them bring the money back at a lower rate. And I think that's clearly going to be part of this deal here. There's a lot of ideas out there that are quite good, which is, you know, you could park some of that money in, say, an infrastructure bank and you could make, you know, low income loans and bonds for rebuilding, you know, not only roads and, you know, airports and things, but also, you know, broadband internet and uh, even smart electricity grids and other kinds of infrastructure investments could be done with quite low cost capital financed by an infrastructure bank that somehow is 
capitalized by some of these overseas profits that are waiting to come back uh, back home. There's all kinds of creative ideas that sort of get pushed to the margins as we just talk about how much can we possibly cut taxes and how big a hole in the deficit are we willing to blow. And that's kind of my point, right, is that I think that you have a current leadership that isn't basically isn't very thoughtful, that these kinds, yes, you can have creative ideas that say less taxes. You can have creative ideas that come up with different ways of using the incentives that tax, taxes create. You have a leadership right now that can't think beyond less taxes. And so as a result, I, I don't know how fruitful it is at this political moment to think about what some of those cool and interesting ideas are, because the empirical reality is that that's not going to happen. And in, at best, you're going to get stasis in Washington, right? So then potentially, you have to look outside of the US for innovation and opportunity. So I mentioned, why is it bad to promulgate tax policy ideas that might actually be effective at creating the right necessary environment, the right uh, set of incentives that would encourage the right kind of investments with public and private into building a more socially inclusive and environmentally sustainable economy. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's a waste of time. Here, I want to take you on on that, Imogen, because here's the thing. Some of these things are actually kind of Republican type ideas. And here's, you know, this is one of the sort of interesting aspects of impact investing, which is it's kind of, you know, both a left and a right idea. And, and just, you know, sort of broad strokes, the the, the left, of course, you know, interested in social issues and social progress and whatnot, presumably, and the right interested in free markets and less government intervention. And impact investing kind of has something for everybody. So there are a bunch of ideas out there that are kind of Republican type ideas, but that get to social equity, social inclusion, bottom up uh, economic prosperity. And so, for example, there's an idea that you could have some kind of inner city investment zones where you could, if you rolled over your capital gains into inner city investments in these particular areas, you know, specified by some criteria, you would be able to defer your capital gains, much like you can when you roll over a real estate sale into another real estate investment. And that would make capital available in these um, in these inner cities. So from the from a business point of view, it's kind of a capital gains tax cut from an inner city investment point of view. It's a low cost source of capital, though. There's a similar one out there. called the clean tax cut that in fact being pushed by uh for, you know cons- you know people who are on the right side of the spectrum and they're saying instead of doing like what we now do for solar and wind um which are investment tax credits more or less uh let's do a, a tax cut for the profits of clean energy which would again lower the cost of capital make the ultimate energy cheaper and only reward profitable energy projects the the, the wrap on the solar tax the investment tax credit and the the, the wind credit is um, that they can make unprofitable uh, deals profitable by virtue of the subsidy. The clean energy doesn't need that anymore. Clean energy co- you know, price costs are falling like a rock. What they really need is access to lower cost capital. And so there's ideas for that. Again, they're not really like democratic or left ideas. They're just kind of smart investment incentives and, and ways to get the capital flowing in the direction we want. And clean energy is a great example, right? It's clear that you can use tax incentives 
to spur investment and development and the right kinds of investment and the right kind of development. My, I think those conversations are worthwhile having, but my point is you have to be pragmatic about it, right? So it's worth having that conversation around what might, I don't know, the state of California do to encourage that kind of investing. Because again, realistically, we know that the clean energy from a federal level is not going to be a winner in the, the, the current tax proposals that are out there. Bill Gates is out there talking about taxing robots. Um, and there's an interesting, you know, uh, interesting phenomena, which is, you know, the worker on the on the assembly line, you know, makes 70 grand and pays, you know, a, a rate of, you know, 25, 30% of that. Um, the robot re replaces that worker and and the owner gets a tax break, a tax cut for that capital investment. Why not tax the robots and in fact cut the taxes on, on the people and at least, you know, provide a little bit of cushion and a little bit of transition as this automation wave rolls through the economy? Well, I mean, that gets us back to first principles when it comes to taxes, because what are the different things that a government can tax? A government can tax labor, a government can tax property, can tax consumption, can tax uh, investments, or profits can tax savings and wealth. Uh, so it's just a matter of what is it that uh, that gets a tax preference and what what is it that uh, where, where you derive most of your tax base from. There was an interesting aspect of, the, you recall a few months back, a bunch of Republican elders like George Schultz and, and, and um, uh, James Baker and, and Henry Paulson um, actually proposed a carbon tax. Uh, they got kind of laughed out of the park because, you know, they weren't really in that part of the Republican Party, not really in, in power. But um, it was, again, a Republican tax idea. But the interesting part of it, in addition to, you know, the obvious clean energy aspects, was that the proceeds of that tax were going to get refunded back as a carbon dividend. And effectively, a carbon dividend is the beginning of something like a uh, guaranteed or universal basic income, which is being touted about, particularly out here in Silicon Valley, as kind of a response to this income inequality idea. You know, there's a lot of debate over whether it's a good response, but in, in fact, it's sort of on the table. And by virtue of giving people back some of this carbon tax, you actually create, um, you know, a kind of popular constituency for that. By well, you don't so almost have to do it, right? Because it's otherwise it's a regressive tax. I mean, that's the huge criticism of the carbon tax is that poor people disproportionately pay for it. The, so other the, the other criticism of it is that it makes, yeah, poor people disproportionately pay for it because they can't not, you know, heat their homes or drive to work or whatever, whereas um, richer people have other options or can buy their Tesla or what have you, uh, which which frankly is why this clean tax cut actually has some appeal versus a carbon tax cut, because it's about making clean energy cheaper, not dirty energy more expensive. So that's an interesting distinction. But the real point is this universal basic income. It's kind of like the Alaska example where they, you know, dividend out the um, the oil revenues. Um, right? and, that, and that's my point as well, right? Is it that the universal basic income makes some kind of intellectual sense when you actually think about it and think about where you know, the U.S. is right now. You do not have a political moment where that is viable. So I guess the question in part, though, is does, you know, does the sort of anti-tax Republican hysteria reach a fever point? Like, do we move into a more politically sane moment? Are these things cyclical or like what happens, what happens next? 
they seem to be more than cyclical. They seem to be more like, you know, <laughs> mind-numbingly repetitive. I mean, we get tax cuts when, you know, there's a surplus. We get tax cuts when there's a deficit. We get tax cuts when we need a stimulus. We get tax cuts when we need austerity. I mean, that, that tax cuts seem to be the only Republican idea that they can all still, still seem to agree on. I mean, they used to that be- in conservative there. judges. But I, I will say this gets back to, you know, the ultimate uh, notion of tax policy. It's, it's who is the better allocator of capital? is our democratically elected government institutions better allocators of public goods or should you give people tax breaks so they can invest consume donate you know make decisions as they see fit in a free society is some shortage of corporate capital the thing that's holding back investment in the in the infrastructure of the future i mean i don't you know corporate profits are are quite high and corporate cash is overflowing so the notion that somehow they would invest if only they had a corporate tax cut is it sort of defies just basic logic. But then it also gets back to your point of is impact a conservative thing or is it a progressive thing? And the answer is all of the above, right? The idea that, that I can be a bit better philanthropic steward of my assets than the government could be is, a, is inherently a very conservative notion. And definitely sort of the impact investing movement has been a part of that. You see it particularly in the UK, where it's often used as a way to sort of take some of the economic burden off the welfare state. And that, in theory, is a, a, a small government idea. It's the idea that the government should pay less. But what's dangerous here is that you're removing the incentives for individuals to play that role at the same time you're dismantling the ability of governments to pay that role. So effectively, you have less money coming into the social coffers from all points. That's interesting. I mean, I think there is a fair amount of responsibility on the so-called left or the or liberals or what have you for having how this whole discussion has gone off the rails. Because, you know, taxes shouldn't just be seen as some kind of punishment you know, it goes back to your Oliver Wendell Holmes quote at the at the top, but it's even beyond just the you know, price you pay for civilization. It's actually the investment you make in the common good, the common infrastructure, the, the soil in which the economy grows. I mean, so if you think about you want to invest in the future that you want, you know, to do business in, that you want your kids to grow up in, all those things, you know, you want there to be you know, obviously, you know, roads and things, but you want there to be rule of law, you want there to be good education, you want there to be, you know, healthy workers who can come to work and actually be productive. You want, you know, mothers and children and, and, and families that 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 succeed and, and communities that thrive and stuff. And and so you're in and you, want, you want customers for your products and you want customers for your products. So taxes are we should reframe taxes as the investment we all make in that common infrastructure in which we then all prosper and, and thrive. And somehow that's gotten away and it's all just seen as, you know, required punishment, somehow, you know, cod liver oil of some sort so that, you know, because it just, that's the, you know, death and taxes, that's just the way the world is. And that's not really the right framing. I mean, in the impact investing world, there's a lot of talk about, you know, externalities, positive and negative, you know, you know, sort of paying for the toxic waste you dump, but also getting paid for the good you do with your impact investments and how that becomes makes those things worthwhile investments. And one way to capture those externalities, you know, has always been taxes. I mean, you your business grows up in a milieu that allows it to succeed. And so you give some you pay some of it forward so that that can keep happening. And that somehow that framing has somehow completely disappeared from the political conversation. 
but it's interesting that you make that a failure of the political left as opposed to the success of the political right. It, it seems like the thing, one of the things that the right is very effective as doing is having a very simple ideological message. So the, the anti-tax message is a very powerful one. Well, Imogen, take Imogen, you even said earlier, you used the phrase death taxes. That was an absolute strategy, like just like you say, to change estate taxes, you know, and, and, and turn it into something something else. And it got hammered on for years by the right wing think tanks and whatnot for exactly that reason. So you're absolutely right. They're hijacking the conversation for ends that may or may not be magnanimous. Well, so I'm going to I'm going to actually say that there's three things that we can be certain of in life. It's not just death <laughs> and taxes. It's also the end of this podcast. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of well, Returns on Investment. Well played, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on my segue. Uh, you said it off for you. You could have said, I'm going to hijack this conversation by bringing this podcast to a close. And you just failed. Well, uh, you, you can, you, I'm sorry. This has been a very taxing conversation. Uh, thank you so much, Imogen Rose Smith. Thank you. And thank you, David Bang. Always a pleasure. This podcast has been a production of Impact Alpha. Be sure to sign up for Impact Alpha's newsletter, The Brief, providing daily news and actionable intelligence for the growing number of people working to build an inclusive, resilient, and prosperous future. Thanks to our uh, technical producer, Isaac Silk. And from New York, I'm Brian Walsh. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Returns on Investment. We look forward to speaking again with you soon. Mm-hmm.